What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my Week 11 college football preview and predictions. We're going to be talking about Alabama taking on Ole Miss, Washington versus Oregon. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Also, make sure that you check out the JT Sports podcast available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from. The JT Sports podcast is available. Make sure that you go ahead, give us a five star review. And lastly, if you're listening to this episode on YouTube, leave a like and subscribe to the channel. Alabama is going on the road to take on Ole Miss. This game is going to be played this Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. We all know that this season, this Alabama team has struggled on the road. And even though this Bama team hasn't performed well on the road, Vegas still has them as a 12-point favorite going into this game. And what's funny is that, you know, Alabama, after their loss to LSU, all everybody has been talking about is, oh, is this the fall of Alabama football? Alabama football is on the decline. Like, listen, I understand that Alabama has not played well on the road. But let's also think about this. It took LSU a two-point gamble in overtime to win the game. On the road against Tennessee, they only lost that game by three points despite having 17 penalties for 130 yards. They barely beat Texas. But yet, Nobody talks about Alabama's best performance on the road this year, which was their game against Arkansas. And they beat the Razorbacks 49-26 to without their best player in Bryce Young. And we all know what Bryce Young means to Alabama football. He pretty much has been the heart and soul of the tie this season. But people act as if Alabama is not capable of performing well on the road when they are. You see, I don't know how many of you guys watching this listen to my NFL content as well and keep up with the NFL, but last week, the Rams lost to the Buccaneers. And on the final couple of possessions, something funny occurred. So Tom Brady... Drives all the way down the field. He gets the Buccaneers into the red zone. They get into a fourth and goal situation. The Rams get the stop. And you would think at that point, the Rams would be able to chew the remaining time left on the clock and win the game. However, they get conservative. They run the ball three times and they punt and they give Tom Brady another chance. And what does he do? He makes you pay. You cannot give Tom Brady extra opportunities. 
And when you look at Alabama, let's be honest. If they were to run these games back against LSU and Tennessee, how many times do you think Alabama would lose in these rematches? I would say not too many. It it takes a Super Bowl-like performance to beat Alabama. When you beat Alabama, it's the highlight of your season. Tennessee beat Alabama a couple weeks ago, and Vols fans are still talking about it. It's crazy. And for Alabama, their struggles on the road this season hasn't really been the fact that they don't have the talent because talent really isn't the issue. The problem has been the coaching. Bill O'Brien, their defensive coordinator. I mean, Nick Saban knows he has to make changes. If we know he has to make changes, I'm pretty sure he knows he has to make changes. But however, going into this game against Ole Miss, if Alabama plays their best football or they play up to the level of the Alabama teams that we have seen in the past, I don't really think there should be too much discussion about who will win this game. Ole Miss is one-dimensional on offense. And if you're a Rebels fan, be honest with yourself. If you can't have success running the football, you're screwed. Jackson Dart, he's been average, okay? He's had moments when he's looked really good. However, he struggles taking care of the football. He's had a turnover in every game except three. Not only that, but he's inaccurate at times. And let's give him the benefit of a doubt. This offensive line is really good when it comes to run blocking. But it's not all that great in pass protection. However, when you're playing a team like Alabama, you are going to be required to have to make a certain amount of big throws. It doesn't matter how much success Ole Miss has on the ground in this game, okay? Alabama has a top 10 run defense. Despite that, I still think that Ole Miss is going to have success running the football against Alabama's defense. This offensive line is phenomenal when it comes to creating holes in the running lane. Junkins, this true freshman running back, has been outstanding. Zach Evans, when he's on the field, he's a baller. And Jackson Dart, although he's not great as a passer, he's really good running the football. But when Jackson Dart has been put in situations where he has to throw the football for Ole Miss to win, he struggled. And going against this Alabama team, you can't be one-dimensional. Yes, you can say, JT, their secondary isn't great. Okay, but is your quarterback good enough to take advantage of Alabama's not-so-great secondary play? You still have to be able to make the throws. And Jackson Dart this year, and the majority of these games, hasn't really been able to make some of the big throws. Now, last week against Ole Miss, he was good. 13-20, 140 passing yards, three touchdowns. No picks, 
completed 65% of his passes. The Rebels win 31-28. However, if Ole Miss in this game gets put in a situation where they have to throw the football 25 times plus with Jackson Dart, they're going to lose against Kentucky. They barely won that game. Their defense won that game because they got a clutch force fumble that they recovered on Will Levis. They won 22-19. But in that game, Dart, 15-29, 213 passing yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Against LSU, 19-34, 283 yards passing, no touchdowns through the air, one interception. Completed 55% of his passes and they got smoked 45 to 20. So you see the trend. So for Ole Miss, you understand what you have to do. However, I do think that Jackson Dart, when he's asked to be a game manager, he can deliver for you. But when you're playing Alabama, there are going to be a certain amount of big throws that have to be made. Can Jackson Dart... Make him? Yes, he can. He had, well, let me rephrase that. Does he have the talent to make those throws? Yes, he does. But will he make those throws? We don't know. Now for Ole Miss, defensively, you have to be able to slow down Bryce Young. And how do you do that? LSU gave us a good example last week. They slowed down or they contained the Bryce Young magic. They made Bryce Young keep his magic tricks in his hat. You see, there's been a lot of games this year that Alabama has been able to escape due to Bryce Young being able to escape and just kind of make all these magical plays. Like he gets outside the pocket. He's finding the receiver 40 yards downfield. It's like the dude always knows what's going on around him. However, when he does create, there are moments where he can turn the football over. LSU got a turnover in the red zone of Bryce Young when he was doing his playmaking or his digging into his hat of tricks, and it ended up being an interception. And for LSU, they got a lot of pressure on Bryce Young. We know that Alabama's offensive line has been so par this year. So LSU did a very good job at containing the Bryce Young magic, not allowing him to extend plays, not allowing him to turn something into nothing or nothing into something. They did a really good job at making sure that Bryce Young wasn't able to buy time. Now, Bryce Young still got his. I mean, he made one of the biggest plays of the game, which pretty much sent the game into OT. But he's going to get his. You know, great players, you're never really going to truly be able to stop. You just hope to contain them. And LSU did a really good job of that. And if you are the Rebels... Can you replicate that performance? You definitely have the talent to do so. You are one of the best pass rushing teams in this conference. You're 19th overall in America in sacks per game. So you definitely are more than able 
to do what LSU did last week when it comes to making sure that Bryce Young isn't able to become Bryce Young the magician. Keep him in the pocket. Make sure that he isn't able to get outside and don't allow him to create. If you can get pressure consistently, you're going to be in position to be able to do that. And another thing is this. You you cannot allow Jameer Gibbs to beat you on third down. Now, I don't know what Ole Miss can do to slow down Jameer Gibbs on third down. But last week against LSU, there were too many times when Alabama had their backs against the wall. It's third down. And yet here they are throwing the dump ball pass to Jameer Gibbs picking up the first down. It's unbelievable how many yards Alabama steals by throwing these dump ball passes to Jameer Gibbs. And you know, LSU did try to stop it. They had one guy earlier who slipped. He slipped. He tried. He slipped, people. He slipped and allowed Jameer Gibbs to get the first down. And then eventually, it kind of looked like LSU just gave up. They kind of just like, you know what? Jameer Gibbs, you're just going to get whatever. And if you're Ole Miss, if you can slow down Jameer Gibbs, plus you can't contain the Bryce Young magic, your chances of winning this game probably increase to 75%. Because that just means that you just pretty much bottled up Alabama's two best players. Because one thing that Alabama does when they get into a bind and they really need a big play, who do they go to? Who's their safety blanket? Jameer Gibbs. Every time Alabama needed a big play to pick up yardage, the majority of times, it was Jameer Gibbs. And if you're old Miss, you get Alabama into these third down spots, find a way to slow them down. I'm not a defensive guru. I'm not a coach. I don't know how they can execute this, but that's why there's guys who get paid a million dollars to find out ways to slow down Jameer Gibbs. So they got to find a way to keep Jameer Gibbs from being a factor for Alabama offensively in third down situations. I'm not saying Ole Miss needs to completely shut down Jameer Gibbs because I don't really think that's possible. They're going to find a way to get him involved. He's their best player. However, you can limit how big of an impact he has in critical moments. Force Alabama to go elsewhere. Third down situations, Bryce Young's first option, most of the time looks like it's Jameer Gibbs. And it's pretty convenient because the dude's right there. So take that away. Now the team that I'm going to take to win this game I'm going to take Alabama. I think a lot of people are falling for this trap. They're fall, they're, they're now believing the narrative that Alabama's falling off. They're wounded. They're vulnerable at this point in the season. Listen, in college football, upsets happen every week and they happen really frequently. But the majority of times, The most talented team wins these games. And when you have a good coach like Nick Saban, 
plus one of the best rosters in America, you come up on top more times than not. Yes, you do have some losses there and some close games. However, the majority of times, the most talented team prevails. Alabama, not only is the more talented team going into this game, but also I don't trust Ole Miss late in the game to take care of the football. Jackson Dart, if he has to throw the football to win this game in the fourth quarter, let's be honest, Ole Miss fans, do you really trust them? If Ole Miss can be put in a situation where they can lean on the run game to win, they got a very good chance at winning this game. Because with Ole Miss playing style, this game could become really close. And it could be decided by three points or less. However, I think Alabama wins this game by at least 10 points. So I'm going to take Alabama to win 31 to 20 is my final score prediction for this matchup. The next game that we have to talk about, the game that I am the most excited about for week 11 of this college football slate. We got Washington, who is 7-2. They're coming off a big win against Oregon State. But they have to go on the road to take on Oregon. And Oregon, up to this point of the season, looks like, to me, one of the top five best teams in college football. Outside of their lone loss to Georgia, this team has been outstanding. And they're a 13 and a half point favorite going into this game. However, this matchup is really interesting because Washington, led by new head coach Kalen DeBoer and quarterback Michael Penix, they've been cooking on offense this year. As a matter of fact, Michael Penix leads the FBS in total passing yards with 3,239. He also has 23 touchdowns to five interceptions. And last week against Oregon State, I don't know how many of you guys watched that game. It was really late into the night. Top of that, they had a power outage, which made the game even longer. So the game didn't end to what, two, three o'clock in the morning? But I watched that game all the way through. There were 40 mile per hour wind gusts. During certain moments during that game. And you would think teams would look at the wind conditions and they would say, you know what, we're not going to throw the football. And Oregon State ran the football a lot against Washington. But Washington, they said, no, we don't care about the weather. We don't care if it's 40 mile power winds or 100 mile power winds. We're throwing the rock. And boy, this team can throw the football. The way that Michael Penix throws the football, his throwing motion is really, it's kind of odd to me, maybe because he's left-handed. But when he throws the football, that ball comes out with tons of velocity and force. And you look at Oregon's secondary, I honestly don't know just how good they truly are. Oregon's pass rush has not been that great this year. And we kind of look at their third down defense being one of the worst in college football. Their pass rush, 
or their lack thereof definitely is a testament to that. And going against Washington, they have one of the best offensive lines in college football. Yes, we all know Oregon's offensive line has only given up one sack. But Washington's offensive line isn't that far off talent-wise. And how is Oregon going to get off the field against this Washington offense if the pass rush isn't there? Oh, well, you're telling me that their secondary can play lockdown coverage against these wide receivers of Washington. And you may be thinking, well, JT, Oregon's the more talented team. You saw what Georgia just did to Tennessee, body bagging them last week. Yeah, but Georgia was talented, well, had the talent to execute that high of a level defensively against Tennessee. You look at Washington, I mean, they got wide receivers all across the board who are NFL caliber. And you look at Oregon's secondary, I mean, I don't really see too many NFL defensive backs right now. So I think for Washington, I look at Oregon's secondary, and I think that it's a really favorable matchup. However, is the home field advantage going to cause Washington's offense to get out to a slow start? Similar to what happened to their loss a couple of weeks ago against UCLA on the road. Now, they came back and they made that game competitive, but it ended up being one of those occurrences where you ran out of time. Against Oregon, this is the last team that you want to have to come back from behind against. This offense is really good. And for Washington, your offense is really good also, but it has the tendency to kind of be cold at times during certain points of the game. It took them a while to get, to get things going against Oregon State. And you can say the weather was a factor. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, even though the weather was a factor, they still got the offense going. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you got the offense going in the second half, you could have got it going in the first half. So, for Washington in this game, they cannot afford to get down against Oregon. Because Oregon has a really good rushing attack. They're 11th in college football in rushing yards per loud. Well, in rushing yards per game. And Washington, they don't really do a good job running the football. Now, they do have the capability of being able to run the football at times. But they can't really do it consistently. And for the Huskies in this game... You know, if you get one-dimensional, it plays into the hands of Oregon. Because a team that struggles to get after the quarterback, if they're playing a team that doesn't have success running the football, they know that more times than not, they can pin their ears back and get after you and not have to worry about the threat of the run. Or they can send more pressure. And Michael Penix, he's mobile, but he's not super mobile. And on top of that, he's not that good throwing on the run. And Oregon has super athletic linebackers, and this is a super talented defense. So for Washington, you have to get out to a fast start. Now, you look at Oregon's offense. And their offense is kind of similar to 
Washington's offense in terms of how they have both performed. However, Oregon's offense has been better because they've been more balanced. Their run game, as I mentioned earlier, is 11th in college football. Plus, with that run game being good, you know what else has been really good for Oregon this year? Play action. Bo Nix is really good when you get him outside of the pocket. And where has Oregon done a lot of damage at? They would do these play action rollouts. They would have like these little wheel routes. And they've been eating all year off these routes and off play action. And Bo Nix, you know, we just talked about the season that Michael Penix is having. Bo Nix for Heisman, people. He's completing 73% of his passes for 204, 2,495 passing yards, 22 touchdowns to five interceptions. Not only that, but he has 13 touchdowns and 557 yards on the ground. The dude has been balling. For Washington, you got to find a way to slow him down. And I think for Washington... The key to slowing down Bo Nix is being able to get pressure on them. If you can get that pass rush going against this offensive line, then you force Bo Nix to have to stay in the pocket because if there's pressure coming off the edge and there's pressure coming up the middle, where is he going to go? So you get that pass rush going, you kind of limit the playmaking ability. Then on top of that, you force Oregon to have to get the ball out faster, which helps out your secondary because then you don't have to worry about the big plays down the field because, you see, Oregon has to set that up. I don't think that Washington is just going to come out and say, you know what, Oregon, we're going to wait for you to get the rain game going. Then we're going to adjust. Then you're going to beat us over the top. I think that Washington is going to come into this game with the mindset of, we rather you prove that you can run the football on us versus allowing you to come out and just throw the football on our secondary. Because if you're Kalen DeBoer, you feel really confident about your ability to get pressure on Bo Nix. And you have to be able to get pressure on Bo Nix to keep him inside the pocket. And not just to keep him inside the pocket, but just overall the name of the game is being able to win up front. And Oregon's offensive line is really good. But I think that Washington probably is the most talented defensive line in the Pac-12. So last week, Washington's run defense struggled in the first half, slowing down Oregon State's rushing attack. But they did make some adjustments in the second half. Going against this Oregon team, I just wonder how effective their ground game is going to be. Now, I am going to take Oregon to win this game. The reason why I'm going to take Oregon to win this game is because Washington's defense, although they did play well in the second half on defense against the run um, the run game of the Beavers, they still didn't really play well overall. And I do think that this defense, despite the talent that they do possess on the defensive line, I think that Oregon is going to have a very good day 
on the ground. And then plus, you look at the fact that these red zone defenses, you know, are really good. I think that both of these defenses kind of have a bend but don't break mentality. Yeah, you can get a lot of yards against us and you can move the ball. But once you get inside the red zone, it's going to be really tough to stop us. Or really hard for you to score on us. And both of these red zone offenses, I think, are really creative. So these third down defenses, you can't rely on them at all. Oregon doesn't have a good third down defense. And Washington's third down defense, that's not good either. So it's going to come down to which team's red zone defense can get the most stops. Which team's offense is going to go into the 20 and walk away with three points. And which team's offense is going to walk away with seven. So I'm going to take Oregon to win this game. I don't think that they're going to be able to slow down the rushing attack of Oregon. Plus, the home field advantage of the Ducks is going to be there as well. I do like the Huskies to put up points in this game. I do think that they cover that 13 and a half. I think the last couple of matchups have been fairly close. So I think that Washington, with their offense, and the fact that Oregon's pass rush hasn't really been all that great this year, I think they're pass game is going to be able to put up some big yardage and have some big plays but with Oregon and their ball control and how they can effectively be able to take time off the clock late in the game I don't think that Washington is going to have enough time late in the game to get the ball back to their offense to win that's why I'm going to take Oregon to win this game I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. Make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. Follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the